Good morning and welcome. Let us pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you today humbled and in awe of your grace and your mercy. Lord, as we come on this day that is marked as Father's Day, I want to thank you for the fathers, the grandfathers, the great-grandfathers, and the spiritual fathers who have significant roles in our lives and in the lives of so many in our community. For many of us, the role of father holds many images and expectations, and today we want to recognize and acknowledge them. Lord, for the ones who have been the champions in our life, we thank you for them. They were the ones who were on the sidelines of every life event, cheering us on and making us feel like nothing was beyond our reach. In their presence, we felt like we could fly, and the world of possibilities became a world open and waiting due to the cheering that followed our every step. For those who were the heroes in our life, we thank you for them. When it seemed that the walls were beginning to close in around us, they were there with steady hands and calming voice and nerves of steel. They were there to vanquish any dragon that dared to seek us harm. No masked marauder in cape and tights could compare to the heroic acts we witnessed from them. For those who were the providers in our life, we thank you for them. Though challenges and difficulties would come, we always had what we needed, and the weight of the world was never a weight we had to bear alone. We were safe, not just from potential enemies around us, but from the potential enemies inside us. For their love guarded our hearts and nurtured our souls in ways that grew us like few lessons ever could. For others, though, Father's Day evokes images of dis disappointment, hurt, pain, even anger and hate. Lord, we know it was never your intention for many to experience their earthly fathers in this way. We acknowledge this morning the sins that have been committed that have done damage. So today, Lord, I pray you would be their hope and their source of healing. May they seek you on this special day to draw them closer to yourself, the one true Father who remains faithful and full of unconditional love. And lastly, we want to acknowledge the ones whose heart was a reflection of God's own heart. Whether rhythm, whenever the rhythm of life they lived by, it was first and foremost a life of Christ-likeness. Their life of faith and commitment to Jesus shaped them to become models of right living and right giving. They served with open hands and open hearts and showed us the way to live faithfully with integrity and joy. Only in heaven's economy will we fully understand the blessing they have been in our lives. So on this day, to all fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, and spiritual dads, may they be blessed today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, and uh, welcome, welcome. Listen, I just uh, want to make one kind of announcement just before we get into content this morning. Uh, check your newsletter this week because we're going to be announcing um, some important 
news to update you uh, about the church, about regathering, those kinds of things, and they're going to be very, very important. As, as Bruna and Ali alluded to, um, you know, there's a number of things that we need done around the church to help us out in order to get ready for regathering and as we announce the date and all of those kinds of things just to prepare you that we want to we want to open in a way that's sustainable and it's not something that um, you know we have to backtrack at all unless something you know seriously happens with this pandemic but we want to be as as well prepared and as protective as possible so those those are the two p words you know three p words pray prepare and uh, what was, you know, and protective. Okay, so we can we talk about those three things. All right, well, we're, we're talking about spiritual tool tips, you know, healthy spirituality in, in unhealthy times. And this is the last message, um, you know, as we, as we wind this particular series down. And what I want to do this morning is, is um, talk a little bit about a particular word that's, that's raised quite a bit in the Bible. And, you know, in, in, in the years that I've taught spiritual disciplines and in the years I've been as a pastor, when I ask people, you know, how's your spiritual life or, you know, what, you know how, are you, how are you doing? Um, I rarely hear this word ever attached to the answer. Um, people say, well, I'm growing or I'm getting deeper in, in my faith or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to walk with Jesus and, and things like that. But rarely do I hear people use the terminology, I'm getting stronger. And yet, strength, or the, the whole idea of getting stronger, is such a biblical word. It's used in so many different places in the Bible. Um, you know, there's 360 times in the Bible that the word strength is used, and, and there's just all kinds of variations. In fact, the passage that we're going to look at later, um, there's actually three different words that are used to imply strength in a particular area. So it's a very prominent biblical word but we rarely use it and and you know on a personal on a personal level when when we talk about anything else in life maybe other than spirituality and somebody says they're getting stronger well we know that they're winning or they're getting better or they're conquering something that otherwise other people are going to struggle with you know we often attach it to health and when people are you know have gone through something and and they're recovering and you ask them how they're doing, and they say, well, I'm getting stronger every day. Well, that's a positive move forward. When you hear people, you know, about their marriage, and they're talking about getting stronger in their marriage, well, you know the bond is getting better, that their relationship is growing, and, and it has this implication that, you know, where other people may be struggling, or other people are just, you know, getting by, you're actually advancing. You're actually getting, you know, better than the average person. You know, and, and when we talk about strength, you know, when we talk to individuals about strength, there's usually four areas where we lean into when we're talking about getting strength, when we're talking, talking about, you know, being able to handle life and all of its dif difficulties. We all love, um, you know, stories of people who have dug deep within themselves. You know, the, the first thing is we look in, internally to ourselves to get strength. And we love those stories of people who have beaten the odds, who have looked internally, who have found the fortitude within themselves to, you know, win at something in life and, and beat something that otherwise many other people, you know, may struggle with. 
And we love those stories. They're kind of heroic stories. You know, the other, the other great heroic stories that we love is when, when a team has come together, when people have come together or a group of people have come together and they have built something. And, they, they, you know, the, the strength of the team is something that has kind of, you know, been something for you that you couldn't have done on your own. You just thank the people in your life. You know, how many times are our marriages better because of the person that we married? They're the ones that carry us in certain you know, instances of our lives. And that's one of the areas where we lean into uh, strength-wise is, is, is that particular area of life. And I don't know how many times I've, I've talked to people and they say, if it wasn't for that person, they became for me in those moments. What, you know, it was their strength that we leaned into and we were able to get by in that particular moment. You know, even, even our culture, the you know, third thing we kind of lean into is, is our culture or, you know, the, the society in which we live in. There may be things that we're personally struggling with, but we get this strength when, when culture advocates for us or when there's someone else that advocates or a group or institution, something much bigger than ourselves advocates for us and we gain strength about you know our beliefs and who we are and all those kinds of things that's that's another area where we gain strength in life and and the last thing and if you're a believer here this morning this is probably what you would have thought the first thing is our faith our faith is an area where we lean in when we are looking for strength in our lives you know um the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians, a passage that many of us think of, you know, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's not, you know, meant to make us superhuman, but it, it's meant to, to remind us that our greatest strength comes when we depend on God in moments when others you know, are looking to find strength in other places. But our faith is one of the most important things that when we're empowered by the Spirit of God, we have a reservoir of strength that, you know, unless, you know, that only believers can tap into. And the Bible talks a lot about being strong, about having the strength to weather the circumstances and the situations of life that aren't necessarily easy to navigate if we don't have God, you know, the Spirit of God in our lives. There's something about us being able to weather the things of life that other people can't without the Spirit of God that is so potent for us and so powerful for us. And I'm actually quite surprised that we do not use the terminology of strength. And I don't know if it's because we're afraid that it's going to sound... Um, you know, like bragging, but the Bible uses the terminology of strength a lot. You know, even even Ephesians, you know, talking about the battling against, you know, the wiles of the devil and, and the arrows that the devil's going to throw our way, it's, it's it, the whole passage is rooted about being able to stand strong in the midst of those difficulties, in the midst of the very worst things being thrown at you. And, you know, um, we've often talked about, 
you know, the peace that passes all understanding. And, and, and strength actually leans into it. At least the biblical understanding of strength leans into that, too, because it's the, it's the ability to depend on God and to, and to give our cares to God and give the difficulties to God in the midst of those difficult situations that allows us to have peace in the first place. That that peace cannot be understood on a human level because it transcends the difficulties that we're going through. So strength is this deep well of, and reservoir that we have because as believers, we have that ability to tap into that strength that is of the Spirit of God living within us. And it's such a powerful resource that we have. Now, I want to take us to a particular passage in the book of Colossians. And the Apostle Paul is the one who's written this letter to this region in, in central Turkey, um, you know, close to the city of Ephesus. And Paul happens to be in prison at the time that he's writing this particular, you know, letter to um, these, these Colossian believers. And what is interesting is that the, the church in that area is being inundated with false preaching and false doctrine and a heresy that is, you know, consuming those churches in that area. And Paul is speaking against those. And it's interesting that in the difficulties and the weight that is happening to the churches at the time, Paul is speaking to them about staying strong in a few areas. And I want to just read that passage right now, and we'll, we'll um, make some comments as we go. So we're into Colossians um, chapter 2, you know, starting... As we go, here's uh, two chap verses one to ten. Paul writes to them and says, "I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea." So he's you know writing to the Colossians, and he's also talking about the church at Laodicea and many other believers who have never met me personally. Now, now imagine the Apostle Paul right praying for all these believers, and they've never met him. Such a heart that he has for, for these individuals. Often, our heart is extended to the people that we know, that we understand, that, that we, you know. But, but Paul has this sense of, of obligation and heartfelt, you know, love for anyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. So that's a, that's a beautiful part of what he writes. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. We're going to notice how many times we, we see strong. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Here's the next part of the verses. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. 
Don't let anyone, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ. What a, what a powerful theological concept right there, by the way. Who is head over every ruler and authority. So Paul, you know, from, from his prison cell, you know, says to them, you know, I may be far away from you, but I know what you're going through. I know what you're, you know, experiencing. I know the difficulties. Let me, let me remind you of the things that you know already. There's a couple of things that I, that I love about this particular passage. And, and, you know, the first thing that he reminds them that what was once a mystery is now history. What was once a mystery is now history. That, you know, uh, even out of the apocalyptic literature of the Old Testament and other many Old Testament passages, there was the implication of this mystery of God's plan, that God was going to bring the Messiah, that the messianic expectation and the messianic hope and, and the future deliverance of, of, of not only the people of Israel, but the future deliverance of all people around the world, that, that God was going to do something remarkable. And this thing was like an anticipated thing that the people would look forward to and it was just so powerful to think of it and and paul says you know what all 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 that mysterious stuff that was in the past and all that mysterious stuff that god you know inspired the prophets to write about and all of that is now history we live in a point of history we look back and we know that all of it is jesus christ that it all points to jesus christ you know one of my favorite passages is near the end of of the book of luke after the resurrection and, and Jesus comes alongside these, these, these people from Emmaus, you know, this couple from Emmaus. And he says, he says to them about, you know, about the Old Testament teaching everything about himself. And that he started to teach them from the law and the prophets everything that the Old Testament said about the Messiah. That is one Bible lesson I wish I would have been a part of. That there's, you know, you could go back in time. I'd like to be the person, you know, walking in the trees as I'm listening to Jesus, you know, make that, make that kind of uh, biblical lesson because I think that would have been a powerful, a powerful moment um, to teach what the entire Old Testament said about himself. Who better than, than, than to know all of that? Um, and that's, that's the beautiful thing. And, and Paul reminds him that Christ, this very, this, this very mystery that is now history, lives in you, like as believers in Jesus Christ. So don't let anybody kind of divert you from the incredible treasure that is Jesus. And that's the next thing I want to, I, I want to mention, that uh, Jesus is the, is the final treasure, both um, in wisdom and in, and in knowledge. And interestingly enough, the Greek word for treasure here is where we get the English word thesaurus from, right? So I think that's a really cool thing that, you know, a, 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 a kind of synonym or kind of a word that relates to Jesus is this word treasure, that he is a treasure in our lives. And in the Greek, too, the, the, the terminology of wisdom and knowledge is really one unified uh, phrase. Like it's not supposed to be two 
different concepts that is presented as a single concept. So no matter what, everything you know and everything that you have been taught and how to apply everything you taught is all because of Jesus in your life. That you have the benefit of all knowledge, you have the benefit of all truth, you have the benefit of all wisdom, that your life in him is complete. And that's what makes you strong. That's what makes you strong. So um, with all those beautiful things aside, there's three times that Paul uses the terminology of strong. And it's three different Greek words. You know, you can go to older um, translations, and they're going to use different words. But the implication from the Greek text is, is from those three different words is that you apply these principles to your life, you will grow stronger uh, in, in your whole experience, okay? So the first one is strong in love, okay? Um, that's, that's the terminology to bring together, to, to unite. And, and, and this particular version talks about to knit together the, the, the people. That love is such a powerful thing that brings us together, not separate. That, that, that love is the kind of glue that God uses to, to join relationships, to, to make relationships valuable, to, you know, to bring us together. That's the heart of community. No matter, no matter how we want to define community, community, the biblical community, is defined, yes, as Jesus as the head of the church. But its definition in terms of how we relate to one another is through love. That that's the powerful ingredient that knits us, unites us together. Yes, you know, it's, it's our, our love for Jesus Christ, our faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, but how we relate on a horizontal level to one another is something that is rooted primarily in love. As Christ loved us, gave himself for us, you know, became the sacrifice for us and loved us. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And the commandment that Jesus said is to love one another as I have loved you. And Paul very famously, you know, utilizes the terminology of love in every one of his letters. So does the Apostle John. Like the two of them kind of like, um, you know, if there's anything theologically that knits those two apostles together, it's definitely their usage of the term love because they, they continually embrace that terminology whenever they're talking about the church and what has to be the hallmark of what people see about the church. So this is a really, you know, and, and you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you, like, when did love ever make you weaker? And I don't mean weak at the knees or <laughs> unable to breathe. At those moments you walk in and you see that person, you know, suddenly the oxygen in the room kind of evaporates or anything like that. But love, in all of its context, I would, I would argue, makes us stronger, makes us appreciate things much better, makes us see, you know, the value of life, makes us see the value of relationships. Everything you know, that, that is meant to be beautiful in this life is really captured in the whole concept and the whole idea of love. So it's a very important. And Paul, you know, encourages the, the, the believers in, in, in the Colossian church and Laodicean church to be knit together in this powerful strength and bond of love. Love has a way 
of making us resilient to the difficulties of life. When, when, when we need the strength to endure the difficulties of life, when we know we, we are loved and we are being carried by others and that God is carrying us too and the Spirit of God is within us and, and that love is so powerful that it carries us through the difficulties of life. And that's, 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 a, that's a potent resiliency that, that we have as part of the reservoir of the Spirit of God in our lives. The second thing out of verse 5 is strong in faith. Um, and, and again, this is a beautiful depiction. And I've, I've often ar- argued that st- faith is the, th- the number one concern of our Heavenly Father. That faith is what, you know, God is looking for. God is looking for faith. And in fact, you know, even went as far as to make the object of faith very clear in the person of Jesus Christ and everything that he endured for us, right? So, you know, grow strong in your faith, you know, all, all of that stuff. Um, it's about firmness. It's about steadfastness. It's about the order of our faith. It's about, you know, and we're going to talk in a minute about the roots that go down deep and, and why Paul would use that agricultural kind of you know, picture and illustration. But it, in, in many ways, this particular term is, is kind of a military term, right? It's, it's you know, it, it, Paul's using this as an illustration, as a military illustration, because he's implying that the church is under attack, that the enemies are at the gate, and that, you know, you need to kind of stand strong in your faith because what they're trying to do is disassemble and break down the walls of the faith that holds them, right, strong right now. And he's saying, grow strong in your faith and you can withstand all the empty philosophies, all the, all the things that are being said, all, all, the, all the, you know, the, the high, high-minded human thinking that is, that is attacking you and kind of trying to drive you away from this beautiful thing that you have, which is called faith. And faith is such a precious gift. Can't, can't imagine a life without faith because it's our faith that often carries us in the midst of the most difficult circumstances in life. And we'll never be strong to match or to battle the difficulties of life without our faith. How many times have you heard somebody say, I don't know what I would have done in that instance if I didn't have my faith? Often it's the only single thing that gives you any compulsion to feel strong in the moment is trusting God, having faith that God is going to carry you through and that God is going to answer And when God does answer, it'll be a great testimony of his power and his strength in your life. Okay? Um, Area of not being shaken. You know, that terminology is also used in that word. And the third thing that is brought out of this is is strong in the truth. Okay? Um, and, And the Greek word here is about being established, being confirmed. That, that this isn't just 
empty talk. This isn't just empty truth. That this has been this has been established by the Word of God over centuries. That the, the that it's been confirmed by the plan of God. That this is truth that that is is objective truth. That you can't deny this truth. That you 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 can't walk away or ignore it. That once you come face to face with this truth, it holds you firmly and strongly to the Word of God, to the things of God. And, you know, and, and, and Paul says, when, when you know this truth, when you understand this truth, the response that you have to it all is this, this, this overwhelming sense of thankfulness that you are just overwhelmed, that, that when you stand back and you realize that you've grown strong in love for others, that you've grown strong in your faith, and you've grown strong in the truth. Now, when you put those three things together, what, what in the world could knock you down? It's an amazing threesome of resiliency that you have in your life that Paul is encouraging the Colossians to grow deeper in so that whatever attacks they're experiencing are going to be attacks that are going to are not going to you know be victorious because they're strong in love they're strong in faith and they're strong in the truth and those are three barriers that are supplied by the spirit of god and keep us strong in the midst of the most difficult situations in life you know, I love, I love the fact that, that Paul uses this agricultural illustration. And he talks about growing our roots deeper into Jesus. And, you know, um, I, I love that, that picture because if I know anything about trees, it's like, you know, the strength of a tree above the ground is mirrored by the strength of the tree below the ground. That, you, you know, if, if the, the roots are strong, the roots are deep, you know, the rest of the tree is going to be a mirror of that, of that, you know, of what is happening under the ground. We don't see necessarily what's under the ground, but the fact of the matter, the tree wouldn't exist at all without the roots. The, the tree wouldn't withstand anything without the roots. And this is why Paul says, you know, uh, uses this illustration, because this is where true strength really lies. And true strengths really lie. He actually lays it out in, in, in the one verse. He says, you follow Jesus, you grow your roots deep in Jesus, and you build your lives on Jesus. That's the kind of like the three-step process that he says. You follow Jesus, you grow your roots deep into Jesus, and you build your lives on him. And, and you do that, and you grow in your strength, and you become stronger. And you, be, and you now have a resiliency to life that few can understand. But every believer knows what's going on. And Paul, later on in the verse, actually uses the military term of don't let yourselves be captured. Okay? Don't, don't let the enemies take you away and, and capture you with their empty philosophies and all that kind of stuff. So here's, here's the last statement I want to make about this. Is God's strength in our weakness is evidence of God's presence and working in our lives. That God's strength in our weakness is evidence of God's presence and working 
in our lives. There's, there's, there's moments in our lives, and, and, and I know many believers who have said, you know, I knew God was carrying us through, and I was stronger than I ever felt. In the midst of a moment or a situation or a circumstance that I had absolutely no ability to manage on my own. And yet I knew the presence of God and I knew the strength of God. And I became stronger for it. God often uses situations and circumstances, as I've said in the past about testing our faith. But it's never to weaken us. It's always to make us stronger. And to allow us to live deeper, more meaningful lives as we continue to trust him and surrender our lives in dependence to him. I notice I, notice, um, I have a default. If, if, if you've ever noticed when I, when I pray for people, I always default to wisdom and strength. That when I'm praying for someone, no matter what it is, that I pray that God would give them wisdom and strength. And I didn't realize until just doing this message this week that those are my two default places that I go. Because there, there are two things, I think, that we desperately need from God. That no one can claim wisdom unless God grants it to them. And no one can really claim being able to handle every difficulty of life on their own unless God's strength empowers them to do that. And I realize that that's my kind of default for everybody when I pray for them, is I pray for wisdom and strength. And I, that's very biblical. And that's not to say that I've got this figured out or anything like that. But maybe, maybe that's what we need to be praying more of. That Christ in our lives will give us his power to live our lives in a way that demonstrates God working in us through our weakness. That's the end of this series. And I wanted to end, wanted it to end on this whole idea of being stronger in our faith. That that's such a biblical idea and it's not something to be embarrassed about. But if we are living on dependency of the Spirit of God, we have unmatched power that's available to us to have the resiliency and the strength to, to meet all the challenges of life and to trust God with the outcome. Uh, before We have a video for you on this Father's Day, and before I introduce the video, I want to you know, welcome you to next week's service because next week we're starting a brand new series called The Jesus I See. And, in, and, and you've heard it said that if you want to know anything about anybody, like the truth about anybody, best thing is to ask the people who are closest to them or the people who actually live with them. But next week we're going to look at a series um, on the disciples and what they saw of Jesus. Now, it's not just going to be a historical you know, reflection on the disciples or anything like that. But we're going to learn some incredibly powerful truths about Jesus and the person of Jesus. And these men that Jesus used to transform the world after the resurrection. And I hope that you are going to be incredibly blessed because 
you're going to learn something about the God that we serve, and you're hopefully going to learn something about how God loves you as it's mimicked in the disciples that we're going to look at. So I pray you will be part of our series starting next week called The Jesus I See. And the series is all about, you know, um, right? Um, Everyday ordinary men who experience an extraordinary Jesus. I hope you'll join us. Here's the video, and I hope you enjoy that. Hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. I love my dad because he loves me. I, I love Dad well because he's my, he's my dad, and he's really kind, and he loves me. He takes care of me when I'm hurt. I like my dad because he is funny, and he always plays with me soccer, and he builds new stuff at home. He builds a swing, a deck, a pool. I like Daddy a lot. He likes me a lot, too. I like tickle fights with him, and um, I like I like him a lot. I like Daddy because every day he plays soccer with me, and we watch movies together. Did you say something about Daddy? Something cool about Daddy. I love my dad because he's funny and he takes care of me. I love him because he loves, he likes me, and he likes my dad. He, he makes lots of food? Oh. And he plays no with me. Um, he always buys us surprises. I like Daddy a lot. Um, I wish he can come in right now and play with us. I mean, me and um, I love him a lot. If he barbecues, he barbecues, he barbecues delicious. And he plays with us. I'm sucking my arm. Great. What's the best thing about Dad? He likes playing sports with me. I he, love him. I he love him too. too. I love him and he loves me too. I love him and he loves me too. Watches over us and prays for us. So I want to tell him I'm praying for him too. Your favorite thing that Daddy does? Uh, he plays with me and Santa Claus. We see the together outside and Holly and What's the funniest thing that dad does? Um, he says um, funny ways. And he tickles us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we silly and dance with me. How much do you love dad? A thousand trillion miles. A lot. I got a trillion miles. A lot? Tell silly story and draws on my back and snuggles me and tells me how much he loves how much he loves me. Anything you want to say to Dad? I'll go over the moon with him. I'll go over the moon with him. Nicholas, what do you think about Daddy? Stop! Stop! <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Day.
Happy Father's Day. Well, thank, thank you very much to everyone who sent those videos. And I'd also want to give a great shout out to my daughters for, uh, for recognizing the great barbecuing and great food that I do. So thank you very much. We're just going to sing a song called My Testimony. It's one of the newer songs we've been introducing. So hopefully you've got it by now and you can sing along from home. <laughs> 